I'm Stephen Jack Butella. And I'm Jill DeWitt, and this is The Land Academy Show. Today, Jill and I are talking about, well, it's episode uh, 1994, and we're talking about the truth about mailer yield this year in 2024. And a little later, we'll talk about the three types of land to buy and the two types I think you should probably avoid, especially this year. Oh, this is going to be good. Okay, we talked about topic number one ahead of time a little bit, but we did not talk about topic number two, so I'm going to be just as surprised. <laughs> good. <laughs> but I have a feeling I know what it is. Yeah. So um, I'm not, you know what? I'm not new to this. <laughs> Isn't that funny? It's like, it's a little bit funny when you talk to someone there that's, you know, just learning about us and learning about land flipping and they're trying to wrap their heads around this. It's like part of me is I feel very um, proud to say how long, you know, I've been doing this and how long you've been doing this. But then I go, oh my God, how old are we? And then there's a part of me that goes, you're not 20 anymore. You're not 30 anymore. You're not even 40 anymore. So I don't have a problem with that. I like it. I know it's a guy thing. You men. Let's, let's talk about this for a second. Okay. What's the problem with getting older? Because men look better. Men get distinguished and women get old. So not I, kidding. I disagree with that. You look, and I'm not blowing smoke or trying to get anything out of this. You actually look better with age. And I'm really serious about this. Well, if I could grow a beard and hide some of my wrinkles, <laughs> I would. <laughs> You know what I'm going to do? Oh my God. <laughs> like, we should have one I... of our, our guys put a beard on you and just keep it there on, yeah. for this camera. Yeah, great. Now that you said that, Alex is going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be a beard here in a minute. <laughs> I know it. I think this uh, age thing is ridiculously perceived. I think, right. uh, I, I think that... Uh, there is a certain population or a certain part of the population that, you know, sees real value in very young women. And you don't want to hang out with those people you anyway. Know, I couldn't. If I was getting into this right now and I saw some kid, uh, you know, especially a kid standing next to a Ferrari, I'd be like, nope, not yeah, my people. Any version of that. <laughs> but if I just saw anybody that looked less than 30, like, oh, I've got this, I can teach you, I'd be like, son. <laughs> Uh, first of all, call me when you're shaving, when you're old enough to shave. And then, you know what I mean? I, if I was really young and, and we were in Land Academy and I had a few deals under my belt, this is what I would say. Okay. Yes, I'm really young, and, but I have a lot of credibility and I have an incredible knowledge in how to use the most current tools that are available to buy and sell land. Is it a replacement for experience? No, but it is slight, it's a slight edge. You know, because I had that when I was really young, a really serious edge with computers and, and uh, all of that. I was surrounded by people that were baffled by, let's say, Excel. Back then it was Lotus. And so it was a huge edge and I used it to my advantage and here we are. I understand. So instead of just what ends up happening, and I'm not, I don't want to make this a rant, what ends up happening is a lot of lies. And that's very unfortunate for the person who's doing it. And then obviously the, the constituency who gets uh, caught up in believing all that stuff yeah. and, and then let down, which by the way is probably 50 to 60% of the people that ult ultimately find Land Academy and become a part of it uh -huh. have these. This is why we know this, Joe and I, because we get these stories. Yeah. Like, yeah. I joined this person's group and um, it just wasn't, wasn't what I thought. Yeah. I didn't think this is where this was going, but that's that's the no, truth. No, it was really about age and us. But anyway, that's good. <laughs> no, it's funny. All I hear, here's what I heard from it. Like the other day that we did on the Thursday call or the in career path, 
41 year old casual dating we'll get to that later but um, when do you I, think casual dating lotus, should end jill i'm like lotus one two three that's why oh. i remember that that's like when should casual dating end when should you be, be kind of done with all casual right. dating all right and and sort of starting to say you know let's, i've got to implement my life plan here let's give the backstory real quick here so in the beginning, of, we're in Career Path 9 right now. So we'll get to this topic in a minute. We have too much. We we'll talk about your mailer yield in a minute. A little bit. This is more important. <laughs> <laughs> so we're in Career Path 9 right now. Career Path is our highest level, you know, coaching product, like a mastermind group that we offer. And the beginning of week two, Jack was very sweet and shared with us some of his behind the scenes content coming someday for manplan.com. And it's, there's a whole life timeline. It's a Gantt chart. There's a financial Gantt chart and there's a personal It's Gantt a chart. life Gantt chart for men. Yeah. Well, this was kind of the first time I had seen it. Uh, this evolved, let's just say, um, or maybe even seen it at all. I don't know. Cause you may have shown it to me and I blanked it out. Yeah, I'm sure. Cause that happens. <laughs> so, so you're showing the financial piece to it and my eyes, all they do is go down to the personal <laughs> part of it. And it talks about the developmental years and the things that you're doing and education, and then education, formal focus education. here. And they're like, it's kind of like when you need to be thinking about getting married, if you want to do that and thinking about your, that life, part of your life. And all I saw was a casual dating period, which started somewhere in the teen, you're, you're, you're in your teen years, and it ended at 41. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? Casual dating still till 41, and then you get serious about somebody? So, What are the two things uh -oh. in life that will destroy any hope for a man of being independently wealthy? Well, probably getting married and having kids. That's it. Uh, so why not not do it? <laughs> Until it's time. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing with you. <laughs> I know. I, I knew you would. I don't wouldn't. know what to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I got to tell you, we have three children, and the last thing we do is pressure them to get married or have kids. It's the opposite. Mm -hmm. We have. I we have pay a handshake we do dollar like, amount. If you make it to will, thirty, here's what you get. It's thirty, and then forty without yeah. n without children or marriage. Yeah. And it, it's equal by gender. I understand. And, and I, I believe they're going to hold us to it. <laughs> so doesn't mean that if you're in that situation now, you can't, you can't overcome that. And doesn't mean undo it. It means you may have to work a little harder. And that's what it means. You just have to, that's a, like. You have a different Gantt chart now. Yes, you do. Where is and that's that? okay. I want to see that one. It's a, that's what yeah. we do. We, uh, we adapt and overcome in our lives. And, oh. and uh, the Gantt chart that Joe was exposed to and the people I was presenting this all to, um, you know. It's, what if? They, none of them were 18 years old, so it didn't apply to them. But I, you have to start with a template. You know, and so if you find yourself listener and you're 42 years old, you have three children who, you know, uh, span in, in, in age, maybe some are in college, maybe some are still in grade school or, or all of the above. And you're on your third wife, you know, you're going to have a different gigant chart than that 18 year old who's thinking about it. So that's the point to man plan. This is not a commercial by any stretch. You just need to be aware of these things. I don't you know, there's no. Everybody always says, well, there's no life manual. That's what man plan is. I and that's know. what that Gantt chart is. It is a manual. That doesn't mean that you can't uh, solve any social or financial problem that you have 
at just about any age, a man or woman. I'm just, it's just a different Gantt chart. I'm just thinking of people that we know in their Gantt charts, casual dating to 25, casual dating again, starting at 40, casual about, and about, ending at 51. How about not getting then, married when you're 19? And then casual dating at 60. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Like, seriously. So we have three periods. You know who you are. And you, there are, there are, there's a, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this, but there's people that I'm sure they have 10 years of casual dating in their, you know, early years, 10 years of casual dating in their middle years, and then 10 years of casual dating again. And maybe they're 95 and they're casual dating again. My dad is 85. He's he been lives casual in dating a, forever. He's casually dating at 85. Mm-hmm. Whatever that means for him. <laughs> He's, he explained to me with a very high degree of, uh, of seriousness, because I think this topic is a crack up, that he did everything the opposite in life. You know, he oh. got married too early, had kids too early, meaning me because I'm the oldest, which is fine. Yep, you're the problem. And he got, you know, unmarried and then a couple, two wives later passed away and now he's just, he's reversed. So all the stuff he was doing in high school, he's doing, he's supposed to do in high school, he's doing now. <laughs> Behaving like a teenager. <laughs> and, he, and he was mansplaining it to me. Like, I don't, I'm, I've never thought about these things before. And, right. you know, I'm sitting there saying, oh, wow, thank you for this advice. I didn't, really didn't think that, I never thought about that <laughs> don't worry dad i watched you be, do it all wrong or... i gotta be careful because i know he listens Oops. to this sorry <laughs> sorry sorry lb <laughs> each week on the show we answer questions from the our land academy member discord forum we review land acquisitions from our weekly member webinars and we take a deep dive into two land related topics by popular request Perfect. And don't forget, if you have a question or you want to, you just want some more information, reach out to my team, support at landacademy.com. Let's take a question, Joe. All right. Uh, person X wrote, has, because we don't have their name. This uh, is their name. This is their real name. Is it, is it you? It's not me. They just have the same name as I do. Oh, I saw Stephen B and I'm like, you're Stephen B. Okay. So a different Stephen B. Stephen B. too. Stephen B. Dos says, <laughs> has anyone acquired land through tax deed sales? I'm researching them a little bit as a way to try to increase deal flow. Would be curious to know if folks have had success or not. Thanks. Well, you can speak about this a lot, so I let her I feel rip. qualified to answer yes, this. Yes, you do. I'll just sit back here and drink my tea. I cut our teeth, my teeth, in the land business by buying a back tax property and reselling it online, specifically on eBay. And thousands and thousands and thousands of deals later and millions of dollars of profit margin later, I can tell you that it is not the right way to buy property cheap. And I would never have known that had I uh, not gone through it. So my answer to you is give it a shot and <laughs> see if you like it. And, and maybe you can... Uh, you know, maybe it's going to uh, spark a light bulb for you that it never did for me. I was always chasing these land sales and there's a lot of work. Here's the pros and cons. The pros are you can buy some cheap dirt and that, and I, as evidenced by me and resell it for more very successfully. When you buy properties for three, four, five hundred dollars, it's hard to not make money no matter how you slice it. 
the downside, the very severe downside, which is how I came, came about and devised this system of sending out blind offers. The problem is that you're staring at a list of, you know, best case scenario, you're staring at a list of, let's say, in LA County's case, you know, LA County has a tax deduction that's a week long. It's a week long. That's how many properties they have that, that they have to get back on their tax rolls. So that's, you know, in some cases, thousands of properties. To run the analysis on thousands of properties and then bid on them, uh, raise the capital beforehand, go to the auction or do it online, bid on them on the ones that you want. It's a massive undertaking. It sounds fun. It sounds profitable when you talk about it uh, at a 35,000 foot level like I'm talking about it now. But the fact is, it's going to take you weeks, if not a month, to analyze all those properties and figure out what the values are and what you're willing to bid. And then what if you don't get them? And then there's a real good chance that you end up with nothing. Right. You're like, well, there was a month wasted. I'm not willing to work that hard. So what we do, and and he's in our group, so he knows this, Mm -hmm. is rather than do that, we spend a couple hours, maybe five hours on a mailer, a 10,000 unit mailer, let's say, with real specific pricing in it. And we send it all out. And the the mailer does the job, the work for you. And then so 20, 30, 40, 80 properties come back, 100 properties come back with people saying, yeah, I am interested in in selling. Then you analyze those 100 properties, 80 properties instead of 10,000 and decide which ones you want to buy. And you have the luxury of saying, nope, 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 don't care, don't care, price that wrong. Seller doesn't want to sell. Seller's not alive and on and on and on until you whittle that thing down pretty quickly and efficiently if you're somebody like Jill into two or three deals Mm -hmm. that you're going to make 30 to 80 or 100,000 bucks each on. And that's how that's how the real funnel works. So tax deed sales, I'm all for them. It's just a lot of work. Thank you. Today's topic, the truth about mailer yield in 2024. This is cool. I this was is Jill's thinking topic, about, actually. yeah, because I've been, well, it came up in Career Path again this week as we are filming. We just wrapped up week two of eight for our Career Path session. We have an awesome group, heavy, smart women involved, which I love. Um, have you noticed that there's more and more women in our group? Yep. Oh, I've noticed. I think yeah. it's the greatest thing ever. I do too. You know, it tells me that you're providing, not me, you're providing an environment that's thank you uh, more toward that type of um, mental, uh, you know, women just invest differently than men. Mm-hmm. And it, I think that's great. Exactly. Jill's got a book on her desk that says invest like a girl. Mm-hmm. And it's written about Warren Buffett. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... We were talking about in career path, meal year to get mealed again. And we were talking about, and it was just interesting to me to think about how long we've been doing this. And whew, I mean, back in the day, I bet when you first started this, you could send out, you know, we're talking in the nineties now, everyone, you could probably send out a thousand offers and buy 10 properties. Good ones. I'm I mean, embarrassed to say that's really high. Was it high? Mm-hmm. Well, you didn't have me then. No, it's we could send out two hundred letters. And oh, and get, get a, by get ten deal, properties. Yeah. yeah. So that because nobody was doing it back then. Right. No one knew it. People would get a letter and go, "What the heck is this?" Mm-hmm. Well, back then too, could, they couldn't even find their own property. We couldn't. We took us even when I got involved fifteen years ago. 
there were it was not what it is today finding these properties there's no state county apn and it pops up did not exist you know i have to say when jill and i talk about these years ago what we were doing mm-hmm. it's not under the guise of our good old days the, these i i am this more happy now yeah and we are more financially successful and i think we're rewarded uh, yep. all the way around now than I ever have been in my land career ever. Mm-hmm. The tools out there are easier to use. Uh, we got a group of people in Land Academy that um, have open checkbooks. Yeah. And so there's un- really- Us un- included. Yeah. There's an unlimited supply of capital if, if you know, when, when we bring in good deals. Mm-hmm. And we only, we, Jill, the truth is, Jill and I don't, we don't do a ton of deals, but the ones we do, Hell yes. Yeah. So, okay. So I'm going to go back. So you would, you could send out a thousand offers and buy a lot of property. 20, let's just say 20 that you picked out that you loved. Not a thousand. Like, let's a, just like say, a thousand to one. Okay. Let's just give, say me, that. give me the best time. Like, like years. Yeah. Like what was the time? Where was the like aha moment before me when you're like, holy cow i can't believe i just canvassed this area and this is what came back so as i mentioned earlier i I cut my teeth on tax sales so i knew where there were big huge pockets of uh property that were always in tax sales and so i in like 99 or 2000 i sent i think it was like 99 i sent out little test mailers which i don't recommend you do now but little mailers like that for those properties for those types of properties in that area and I, I just, uh, we just didn't have the tool. We didn't, we didn't know where the properties were physically. But how we didn't much have could the tools. you buy? I just want to know how much. I would you send have. out, let's say, five hundred offers and probably get twenty signed purchase agreements. And they wouldn't, they were, prices would be, all be like five hundred dollars. So, and they just never, at that price, they couldn't get a real estate agent to sell the property. They usually inherited it. They never saw it and don't care. And and they were tired of paying the taxes. Yep. Isn't that great? No, it's just kind of, I'm only asking for the evolution here. You don't mm-hmm. have, so thank you. I'm just, I, I want to interview you here. Okay. So, okay. So that was in like the late nineties. Yeah. Let's say really 2000. Okay. To start there. Early two thousands. Okay. So then when was there, um, a shift where, and, and if there was a shift, what, what ha- what do you think happened? Without making this show two, two hours long. Correct. What happened is, uh, there would be, you know, a wow and flutter. So there would be a wow and flutter. Yeah. Okay. So you, there's a heyday of, of success because there was that was a very specific product type. Right. And so with the way we were selling property, we would buy 50 or 80 of those. And you can't just put 50 or 80 like kind properties at the same time or even the same four True. months next to each other. So we, we really always struggled in that environment with diversity. That's good. So what happened was I found out that there is an oil gas data company called RealQuest that um, I convinced them to provide data to us, even though we were real estate investors, we weren't in this uh, you know highfalutin, huge money back industry, and they did. They they allowed us to do it in a crude way, and so I uh, you know between that and and using the CDs that the assessor would provide. Piece together mailers. You know, this is, the data set was nothing like it is now. I can't even imagine how much time this took. Yeah. Then. And I'll tell you, it was all self-taught. There was no YouTube, so you just yeah. you figured it out. Anyway, 
we would that that solved the diversification problem, and that was the real light bulb moment. Okay, and, so then you guys really our mailer yield and and the stuff that we bought and how we sold it was truly spectacular. You were we mailing a, places that you hadn't driven to and been at the auction. Then after that, there was it took all the real work out of it mm-hmm. too. We weren't we didn't have to analyze auctions anymore. You know, it was just a, an evolution of success. Mm-hmm. And then, so that was in the two thousand. So two thousand. 10 through 2010 through 15 let's just say before land academy well i felt like we were doing fine really quickly between like 2004 and 2009 when the 2009 the market kind of yep really cooled off we, we sold tens of thousands of properties and generated millions and millions of dollars on top of and we were still doing tax sales at that time mm-hmm. people don't realize too when these things happen it's it can be a buyer's it's a buyer's time you what? could grab some things i mean back then you were pivoting there were some house there were house things to nab up and you did mm-hmm. so what jill's really getting at or if i can paraphrase is each little step of the way based on the market we changed yeah we had access to data for the first time in the early 2000s and we utilized it and changed and then as as time went on we would add we just made changes based on the environment and the markets. Yeah. That's what mailer yield, that's where people get tripped up with mailer yield now. They say sentences like this. This is what Joe's kind of getting at. You know, I used to send out 6,000 letters in the Dallas market area and I would buy 14 properties. Right. Now I have to send out 15,000 to buy 30 properties. What the hell, man? Is it over? Why is my mailer yield so bad? What am I doing wrong? Well, right. I'll, I'll answer that fictitious person. You're not adjusting to the market. Whatever that means to you. Mm-hmm. You can't continually do the exact same thing over and over in the same uh, market or same environment and expect the same results forever. Right. It's just not how it is. Well, you know what? I want to go with, to, to, like, let's fast forward to today. And this is, do you have more? Can I? That's it. Okay. So what what I the point that I wanted to make today on this topic is I wanted you to understand the progression and what Jack just shared. But the thing about today is it's going to take more mail for obvious reasons to get the offers back. So my argument is make the mail count. Make the deal count. What if it's going to take you 5,000 units, let's just say this, to get one that you love that you're running to the bank for property. Just using that number, okay, randomly. So, and that mailer costs you, okay, 5,000 units, I don't know, 3,000 bucks, $3,3500 by the time you're all in data and postage, right? And using O2O, because like 65 cents roughly a unit to get that mail out. So I'm not going to spend $3,500 on mail to buy a property for 2000 to sell it for eight. That's my point. But I will spend that much money on mail to buy something for 20000 to sell it for 80000 Now it's worth it. And that's where I think I see people. I'm like, still doing these little things. I'm like, what, what are you doing? You know, and then there's all kinds of other things that we talk about you know, around Land Academy and in Career Path, such as, I'm going to tell you, the bigger deals are easier to close anyway. Kind of, that's a whole nother topic. But 
The fact is, you, everyone stops talking about Miller Yield, us included, after their second or third deal because they realize mm-hmm. how much money is involved and how small in comparison. The return on investment for a, a well-thought-out mailer is staggering, mm-hmm. staggeringly positive. And here's the root of that. There's two sets. <clears throat> think of two sets of people, four people total. Set number one is a person who uh, used to own a chain of restaurants. They sold them all and they're looking for something new. They, they want to, uh, they're looking for a way to, they have a, a pile full of money and some time. So they get involved in land investing or house flipping or, or whatever, whatever we do in our little world. And their reaction every single time, because we see these people in career path uh, and get a chance to get to know them really in their history. Their response to that is, this is it. I have to spend $80,000 on mail this year. I'm going to generate about a million bucks. Yep. Well, with my restaurants, it took a year to open one. I had to uh, spend a million dollars on a build-out, tenant improvements, and on and on and on. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jack and Jill. Holy heck, why doesn't everybody do this? This is the greatest thing in the world. That's set number one. Set number two is somebody who's just getting into the land business. They have a W-2 job at Costco, and they have $1,482 to spend on mail. And, and their question uh, in 62 different ways is, what's going to my mailer yield going to be? The first, the, the re- former restaurant owner never asks about mailer yield. They don't care. They're prepared to make mistakes, learning, send out 3,000 here, 8,000 here, 4,000 here, buy three or four deals, resell them, and enjoy the money and, and the success. The second uh, set of, of, the second set is, is prepping for disappointment, in mm-hmm. my opinion. That's why Land Academy is packed full of successful, formerly successful people who are now adding this to their already successful life. Instead of uh, brand spanking new people who just uh, are, are setting themselves up, in my opinion, for disappointment. So and it's not that you can't. If, that's, if you have $1,482, I would, I would just say, wait until you have $14,082. What would you say? Well, I would say uh, we have a product, that, a little known product called Land Academy Community. That. And I would say join that. We haven't announced that yet, but thank oh, you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm. You know what? Usually, I don't good, even know actually. about this stuff, but this thing crossed my desk, and I love this product. <sighs> if you want to be in a in a room full of people every week that are making this incredibly successful, but you don't have the money or the comfort level yet to get super involved in in actually sending mail out or whatever, you just want to kind of listen, like you want to audit the class in college. That's the product for you prep for it's coming sorry was i not no that's actually kind of funny i like it coming in april we'll talk more this is good (laughs) i thought it was already launched i love everything i don't know anything john sorry (laughs) it's hilarious hilarious. let's take a look at one of our favorite land acquisitions from our weekly thursday member webinar lake county florida all right 10 acres and five acres we have two purchase price so 15 acres total for 250 great would um adjacent are 250,000 to 1.2 million dollars homes evan already got an agent's opinion who said could be sold for 30 to 50,000 jeez and acre. and right now we're buying at 16,000 an acre here's orlando five acres these are five acre estates across the street it's an sfr that is valued at 525 0743 is that right 
Oh, that's, that's for five hundred thousand. Too old here. You're like twenty twenty old. I'm like I'm cautious. I'm you know what? I'm just more cautious right now. So I'm gonna look at the lower numbers. I look at the lower stuff, and if I'm still gonna be okay, then I'm golden. So which is the other? Why can't we get values on this stuff? Frustrating as hell. Last five deals, we can't get values. Four thirty-five mm -hmm. on five acres for a house. What's the target property? This is the target property. Where's the other? Where's the other property? Where's the 10 acres? 500, not that one. Oh, got it. Okay. Can I play with that for a second? 89. I like that. So this, here, let's just do the math. If a new house commands $500,000 on five acres, 10% of the value is $50,000. Assuming you can split the other one up there, mm -hmm. we'll, we're going to multiply that times three. That's 150 grand for all three. Mm, really? Oh, okay. It's worth $150,000 tops. For? Tops. All of them. Yep. To buy. Okay. What about what the agent said? Call a couple more agents. Yeah. I mean, I don't, you want to buy property for 10, especially now, 10% of what a finished house would go for at the end. Yeah. Because this is six, buying at 16000 an acre at those prices at two fifty, But I have to agree with this one. Well, let me just, this, your pricing, your pricing is the safe way to do it is the whole point. These are into lots, period. Yeah. You know, and let's all keep in mind, let's look, let's look at the market too here for a second. Evan, did you mail for yeah. fifty thousand dollars? Did you mail for eighty-two? Uh-huh. Or 250? And he said, I want 250. Because it sounds to me mm -hmm. like he's giving you the retail number. What's it sounds like to me too? And you're I'm guessing your first instinct was correct these are sold properties in the same zip code starting out uh, at eighty-eight thousand dollars for seven acres sold mm -hmm. five acres for 116 so you're paying almost uh you're probably paying about ninety thousand dollars per five acres 80 80 actually yeah it's too much mm -hmm. and here's active six five acre property for 295 this this is this tells me that He's, he's what Jill just said, like dead on. This is retail. Mm -hmm. He's asking retail. Hey, if you don't know it, about it already, Jill and I own a commercial printing company called Offers the Number Two Owners.com. They will do your mailer for you. That's it. I have nothing else to say about that. <laughs> you hate Excel. You hate data. You hate downloading. You hate scrubbing it. You don't know what you're doing and scraping. What the heck is scraping? Well, I got to do that to get comps. Well, I'm so confused. They do that too. Let's take another question posted by one of our members on the Land Academy Discord online community. All right. Jim wrote, I've heard that people are shying away from targeting infill lots. What are the pros and cons of targeting these areas? I've done some rural land and some infill lots and made money on both. Obviously, uh, the area would need to pass the red, yellow, green test. I'm looking for anything else I should be considering. Thanks in advance. Great question, Jim. And it uh -huh. leads directly into our next topic. So you know what? We'll just cover it I'm going to go right into the topic. Okay, good. Today's topic, there are three types of land to buy and two types to avoid. In, is this in 2024? In general, this is uh, in 2024. Okay. And, and when when times are hot and like they were a couple of years ago, uh, these almost can be at times flipped, but not necessarily. You know, look, it, it really in the end, it comes down to your personality and what you like. 
I like that. Here are three types of land that I think always work, now that you're mentioning from a time frame standpoint. Okay. The number one favorite is rural vacant land. Timeless. Like that Chanel jacket. You <laughs> think I'm kidding? <laughs> How many, how many, you know what's you, in my calendar You describe today? it in, in man talk, and I'll translate to girl talk. There's <laughs> this really high-end uh, secondhand store that made its way into my stuff to do today. In, in, made it its way into optional. my calendar. I put oh, it really? optional. You don't have to go. We're supposed to go to my sister's closet later, Jill and I, and shop for old Chanel jackets. I'm going to go look. That was just, that was kind of a, this is where I'll be today. <laughs> you can't go wrong with rural vacant land, and here's why. <laughs> if it has, uh, you know, all the, the, the seven A's, or whatever we're up to, eight A's eight, with the access yeah. and all that, um, the number of users, the end users who you're going to sell the property to is really large. It could be hunting people. They could be, uh, geez, people who want a, a rural homestead. Uh, there's all kinds of uses. It could be ter- turned into agriculture depending on the zoning. There's, and so Turned your buyer into a pool, subdivision. Yeah. So it could be redeveloped. Mm-hmm. So th- th- that, that always works. The second type of, of land that really works that uh, almost in every case and this is my probably my personal favorite is what I call specific use property. So, in in a com- in a city like Phoenix or really in any urban area, there is a, some type of master plan, and that's what civil engineers do. They get together with the city. There's a budget, and they essentially say, over here's the cemetery, over here's the hospital, over here's where the subdivisions are, should go. Here's the heavy industrial park, and so what you don't get is all mixed up. You don't get houses next to chicken farms in general. In rural communities, it's still like that. It's just open zoning. So specific use property in a, in a really urban area like this, you can pick out. Commercial. There's 20 or 30 or 40, let's say, pre-zoned properties for mobile home parks that are undeveloped. And so it's really easy to identify those the way that we do this and send everybody a letter and say, you know, I've got a buyer or I am a buyer and I want to buy a mobile home. I know, you know, your taxes are $82,000 a year on this. And I don't know where you're coming up with the money, but we'd like to take it off your hands for X amount. And those kinds of mailers, those specific use property mailers are very successful. I, I started my entire career on specific use property in healthcare. So that was two. Rovic and land, the specific use. These are the types, the three types of land that you love. Yep. What's your number three? And number three is as a, a wider category, but it falls into um, adjacent. So your uh, property comes back and whatever's happening on four sides of it or three sides of it is probably what's going to happen with your property. So it's very similar to specific use, but you don't send out a mailer based on pre-zoning. Got it. You just figure it out. It all involves the use. I don't want to complicate this. Maybe it all comes back. Remember that time we had one like was it? Um, well, there was a marijuana. Yeah. Two properties that were. Yes. I had yes. no idea that it fell into this area in Cal in Northern California that was already approved and not near. You know, there's all kinds of restrictions, and I had just landed in it. That were two marijuana. Um, conducive properties and they were big they were like 20 acres each that's a perfect example of what mm-hmm. i'm talking about you can't it's not specific use property because it's all zoned agricultural right but it's all being used for blueberries let's say mm-hmm. so you know 
when you buy it or when you review it as an acquisition candidate, that's going to be used as blueberries. And you probably know, by the way, that Who's people, going to buy it? the adjacent people who are blueberrying are going to use it, are a very logical person to sell it to. Yeah. Can't go wrong with those three types, pipes and, and they're timeless. Perfect. What's the two that you don't like? On to the two to avoid, which gets up to Jim's question. Number one, infill lots. And in, by definition, an infill lot is a property that is in a subdivision, a non-master planned subdivision. They were all over the place in the 50s and 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, all over this country. And you know that they're not master planned because when you go look at it, there's a subdivision of 20 properties and 18 of them are, are already done. 18 of them have houses on it. And the guy that has the two left responded to your letter. And so now your buyer pool is tiny and the use for that property is going to be a house. And very, very, very often there's an amazing raw supply and demand reason why they're not, they don't have houses on them yet. It's just because the market won't support it. In general, if the market supported it, they would have been built on in 1974 or some version of that. True. So you're really, unless you can get them super cheap. Look, we buy infill lots every year. True. Jill and I. They, there are random things like maybe Willie was holding on to it for the kids kind of thing. That could be. But and then often and, it's your way, what you just said. And markets change too. Sometimes it's very cool right now to be in a rural market because of the work from home internet phenomenon, which right. is here to stay. So there's some opportunities there. Mm-hmm. But in rural markets, it's hard to justify the price of the land because the houses are so cheap. That's it. Where well, so, you shouldn't be buying info lots where homes are selling for $100,000. Doesn't make sense. It's like you go, wait a minute. I can't even, I can't sell this property for 20000 like I'd like to because they can't build a house for eighty. It's not going to make sense. He's below replacement costs is what right. she's saying. And, and I don't need to tell you that everything's more expensive now than it was a year ago. We're in a, we're in a strange inflationary period and materials and labor, labor's harder to get, materials are more expensive. And so the price, the replacement costs of building a house, a new house on a lot, there's some extraordinary stuff that has to happen to make an infill lot uh, model work. And, and I'll tell you, it, it's rooted in very expensive houses that you see like on the coast of Oregon or something, or California where there's $2 million houses and you can buy a, a buildable info lot for 30 grand. That's a deal I would do. And so would you. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of deals we actually do. Right. To- so to, but in general, the first one on the info lot, when it's two, you can't build a house for that kind of thing. Don't do those. And what was your second tech to avoid? Uh, currently farmed agricultural property, mm. and here's why. You know, if you're in this business at all or you read the news, there, there's so much criticism. The center states, you know, if you talk to a farmer, we, we, talk to, we have the opportunity to talk to a lot of active farmers in Scottsdale here because where Jill and I live because they're um, snowbirds and they come here and, and it's their off season. From they're other not, states. They're not farming. Right. They're from Iowa or, or Illinois or whatever. Right. And so they, they farm thousands and thousands of acres. Most of it is leased. Mm-hmm. They lease it from the landowner, people like us. And so it's, it, because there's leases, it defines the price of the property, of the acreage. So if you talk to anybody, they're gonna, they will tell you, oh, uh, agricultural property right now where I farm is between four and $4,200 and, and $5,100, depending on the crop that yields there. 
an acre. So, and everybody knows that. The landowners know that. The farmers know that. And so for you to go in and do a mailer like we're very used to doing every single month and try to buy that type of property that's already pre-valued like a commodity for 20% of its value. Good luck. It's not good. Plus, what you're doing is making a lot of enemies. And yep. they're not people, it's not the regular hate where people call and say, look, this is kind of silly. It's it's like they call, uh, you know, they, they're all together, band together to not sell land there for anything less than they think it's Just worth. Just a waste of your time. Yep. That's the real thing. So you've told me many times they all get together Sunday morning at the same coffee shop and hang out and talk. They're not going to move, nor should they. You know, that makes right. sense. Let's take a look at another one of our favorite land acquisitions from our weekly Thursday member webinar. All right. Lawrence County, Wisconsin, 80 acres. Two APNs, needs an easement from the sellers. All right. So that means somebody lives nearby. Affordable, yes. Alive, yes. Purchase price, buy for 70, sell for 140. Now, this one, there's no access to the property except through the current owner's adjacent property. Okay. Got it. So it's I'm possible. Cool with that. So, which is the other one? That one. And so that's one. We're selling 330 and 333. Here's Escanaba. Here's Michigan. Uh huh. Three three zero and three three three. Which one's three three three? This one. Three three one. This one. These two. And I'm guessing that's the one they're keeping. Let's see what else they own. They own that too. Interesting. They're keeping these two, but not these two. My hat. If this property is worth seventy grand. I know. Familiar. Mm-hmm. Bill and I just threw, drove right through here. That's it. It's some trouble with the price. We're going, it's 80 acres. It's 240s. There's 60 acres for 125, nine days, uh, 120 for 240, and nothing really sold. 40 acres for 40. Yeah. What's your purchase price? 80 acres for uh, 30 acres for 80, and these were sold. I need a lot cheaper. It needs to be way, way, way cheaper, and I would sell it as hunting land, and that's it. Because people well, in this whole easy. area, the of the country by by hunting land, especially this large amount of acreage all the time. Way cheaper. So cheap that it's like, oh my God, I gotta buy this because right. there's like this that. just doesn't this is there's no adjacent, like nothing is gonna be here in our children's lifetime. Nothing's gonna be here. There is nothing here. We just drove through here and it and there wasn't when I was a kid. This is the upper peninsula. All US government property. Mm-hmm. There's never going to be anything there, Jack, because everything to the north of it is all U.S. government property, state of Wisconsin property, everything. Mm -hmm. There's never going to be anything there. That's right. Good hunting property, though. Mm -hmm. Still, quick story. Hey, wait. It's on the long lat. On the it's north of Toronto. That's up there. It's north of Mackinac. It's up there. Of the hunting property situation, though, um, I had a friend over from Central Missouri the other day. And uh, he was telling me what he's a hunting guide and he does things in Alaska, does things in Kansas, does, you know, and he, he, he his dad, he grew up doing it, you know, and uh, I just asked him what, what, you know, what they charge a typical person to, you know, take out on a hunting trip and you'd be floored by his answers. Yeah, he, uh, he took a guy, they call it the city slicker special, essentially brings a guy out to Montana, sets up the That's rifle, awesome. just pull the trigger and he dresses it. Asked him how much he would charge someone to do that. He said ten thousand dollars. What? Oh my gosh! And I Dress said, him up, put him on a horse, and hand him a gun. 
if I got some landlocked property, can you hunt it and make us some money? And he said, absolutely. Uh, and so that's going to be a little side project of our own. Um, you know, he, he, every day, every time I see him, he's hunting. He goes to Alaska, does all this stuff. And I couldn't believe it when he told me someone paid him $10,000 to shoot a moose. Julie, you have something inspirational to share. Yes. Today, I want to um, talk for a few minutes about, you know, I thought I had a topic. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to talk a few minutes about um, what? You're, not casual dating. That's what I thought it was going to be. At 41. I'm not going to talk about casual dating What's at 41. What's the problem with that? Oh, well, you can use that for your topic here in just a minute. I'm not going to spend any more time on that. No, you know what? Um, how about this? You know, I'm going to talk a few minutes about, and I haven't, because um, we haven't recorded in in a couple of days, but I was just finishing filling up career path, right? And I can't tell you, have I talked about this recently? Tell me. I don't know the topic yet. Oh. <laughs> Neither, neither does anybody else just watch. Okay, my topic is <laughs> the frustration and sadness I feel when people should be in the room and they're not putting themselves in the room. What is that? You know, it goes back to, I was just thinking about, I was talking to kid number two on the phone the other day, and his girlfriend has the same problem that a lot of women have, which is... Oh, I want to hear this. Women won't apply for a position. This is totally true and documented. We look at a position in a company that we want to work, and we won't even can put ourselves, we won't even throw our hat in the ring until we think we have mastered 80% of that, which is stupid. Men throw their hat in the ring when they have 20%. Get the job and learn how to do it. Yeah, that's how men see it. Women don't see it like that. And it was funny, we were talking about another subject, and they brought that up and he goes oh she does that i'm like do you want me to talk to her <laughs> kind of thing wow he's actually listening to you which is amazing yes well that's another thing but anyway so i was thinking about that with career path and i'm thinking i wonder how many people i bet that was part of it there's probably a lot of people that didn't throw themselves fully into career path and they're not fully throwing themselves into this land thing that we're here queuing up for them because I don't think they have all these steps mastered. Don't worry about it. Get in there. Do it. Try it. Know you're going to fail. Know you're going to break something. So what? We, we, know, we know how to solve it. We can help you get out of this stuff. That's what it's all about. Because if you don't do that, you're going to be on the sidelines forever. That's the part that I get frustrated with is people that... Oh, and you and I aren't those people. Is this so, nature or nurture, you think? Ooh. For myself, I'm going to probably say nature. What do you think? I don't know. I don't know because I'm, I don't, I've never met, I never this, fully realized this topic until I met you because you made me aware of it. I don't. What else did I, I don't, think I don't, also don't think it's that seriously gender specific. I just yeah. think there's go getters and there's not, which is kind of what my topic's about. After you, but people get so far, but they won't go all the the last ten percent. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, I don't know if it's nature or nurture, but it's certainly personality type. Mm -hmm. It's not gender. Yeah. So uh, how is this? How is this inspirational? Um, then I guess my 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 point to anyone that that is relating to this stop it push yourself 
it's going to be uncomfortable and know that be ready for it. Everything was uncomfortable at one time. You know, you have to take a step back sometimes and go, you know, unless you started, you know, even when you started the job you have today, maybe it was even 30 years ago. Maybe you've been in your same career for 30 years, but you know what? 30 years ago, you were uncomfortable and look where you are today. You can do that again. We've all had to do that. I tell people all the time when they join Land Academy, there's always someone six months ahead of you and six months behind you. Your questions are not stupid and people want to help. You just have to go for it and ask. You have to get in the right environment because I think that we've all had experiences probably starting with uh, school mm-hmm. where you've got people who are really encouraging. Teachers who want to be teachers for the right reasons are encouraging you and encouraging your your um, questions and, and, and then there's teachers who are usually just about ready to retire who think everything you say is dumb. Yeah. And so I think that that's the message that sends to a certain personality type is I better have my stuff together before I walk in. Which is not the case. It shouldn't be. There's people like me who've never had their stuff together and you're just going to walk in anyway. And I, and I, I've always had, so is that's that always I think worked for me. That's, is that nature or did you? I don't know. Oh. I, I honestly don't know. I'm going to argue you were born in eight. <laughs> <laughs> always comes back in our house it always comes back to an enneagram result if you have never taken an enneagram test please look it up and take the test it's just, i think it's free especially if you're in a personal relationship you know, and you live together with someone both take it together and you're going to find out what's wrong with the other person i'm going to argue with definitions you, and everything you came out of the shoot challenging the doctor that's probably true yep thank you all right what about you what do you what do you have to share with us today well mine's labeled here uh people who succeed and so rather than spend 10 minutes talking about the and breaking down or deconstructing why the the anatomy of what makes somebody succeed or what doesn't it the real simple short version is do you know if you're going to succeed or not Hmm. you already know Hmm. Whatever you put your mind to, and I hate, I don't want to, it sounds like a cliche. If you work on it, you're going to succeed at it. I'll tell you, here's an anecdotal personal note. I've been doing this, buying and selling land, some version of it since the early 90s. What is it? It's 2024. That's, you know, 30 30 years. Mm -hmm. I'm a lot less interested in hitting my financial goals, a heck of a lot less interested at this point in my life than I was in the beginning. In the beginning, I was unstoppable. Mm-hmm. I, I would not, I would stop for nothing because I, you know, I took it personally and placed personal responsibility on myself. Uh, I wasn't, you know, n- not good even in a relationship in, by any stretch. I was casually dating, if yep. that. <laughs> so it wasn't like I was trying to set my kids up or I was motivated or scared or, or there's no fear motivation factor. It was just like, I'm going to succeed at this. You know, I had just a little taste of success buying and selling a piece of property and I made like five grand or something. I don't remember the numbers. It's in the ebook, in the Land Academy ebook. And that was it. I knew I was going to do that for the rest of my life. And so, you know, did that happen with, uh, you know, uh, I thought I was going to be a medical doctor and, and went down that path. We had luckily programs in high school and I was involved in that and hated it. And so, but a different personality type would have, that would have been it. The light bulb that they needed and it was over. So, you know, if you're going to succeed or not, and if you try to force it, you're going to end up just being disappointed. That's good. So just take a look at yourself. That's good. 
Thank you. This is this is a good this is a good show. I'm I'm proud of this. This is good. awesome. Hey, join us next Wednesday for another interesting episode. You are not alone in your real estate ambition. We, we are, are Jack, Jack and Joe. Information and inspiration to buy undervalued property. <laughs>